0: this morning i tell you what it's just real excited to be back there this morning any morning when y'all coming into the building and shaking hands and just greeting one another and hugging each other i'm telling you that's, that's excited. i enjoy that 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 means uh, the congregation is loving with each other we deeply appreciate this people all y'all that are here it means so much to us uh i want to Encourage you to sign the, sign the form that is passed down the pew where you are, please. If you are visiting with us, please give us the information so we know how to contact you. And, and uh, all of our people, please sign that. We look at that ever after the Sunday, we look at that every week. So we appreciate that. Uh, we're still making pictures for the directory after the worship service. We'll do it a time or two or however long we need to. We're trying to bring all this to close so we can get started printing. We appreciate the cooperation we've had from y'all. We're getting close. And uh, if if you promise to send a picture or bring a picture and it hasn't got here yet, please get that done immediately so we can move on. Uh, Song leading for us this morning, Brother Joe Garrett, opening prayer, Brother Wayne Taylor. Brother Drew Bruce, reading our scripture. Brother Ken Forrest, bringing our lesson. Brother Cameron Jumper is in charge of our Lord's Supper. And Stephen Hodges will make the announcements and the closing prayer. Let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for this opportunity we have to worship. We're so thankful for the love that we see in this congregation. We are so thankful for each member. Father, we're we're thankful that we see how we're growing spiritually and and numerically to get back to the numbers we had before COVID. We pray for Ken today, especially as he brings us this lesson today, pray for all the ones that's in charge of the part of the worship service. And Father, we realize that this weekend that's being celebrated through next Tuesday is to celebrate the independence that we have. And we're thankful for this country. We're thankful for the freedom we have. We're thankful for all the people that served in our armed forces to protect us, to keep this freedom. We know a lot of suffering and a lot of lives have been lost through years, but we deeply appreciate what's been done. We also realize that during this long weekend holiday season, there'll be a lot of traveling. Perhaps people from here today is traveling to visit other places and people are here with us today. We pray for safety through this entire weekend. And Father, we ask you now to be with us, that we can prepare our minds and our hearts to participate in this worship service when we should. We pray that from being here, we can grow spiritually. And for Jesus' name we pray, amen.
1: Good morning. First song this morning will be number 381. If you're singing from the book, Years I Spend in Vanity and Pride. <clears throat>
2: place heavenly father we're so thankful for this day and its many blessings for this opportunity and privilege to come here together to worship you to sing praises to your name and to hear another portion of your word and father we pray that you will continue to bless us and continue to bless the elders of the congregation here as they watch over the spiritual needs of the congregation and continue to give them strength and guidance as they do so and Father we're thankful for our ministers, our especially brother Ken as he delivers the word of life to us today. We pray for all those who take a part in the service here, Father, that our deacons, our teachers, our song leaders, our nursery attendants, our ushers, and all those who work to make this a strong congregation. And Father, as our nation pauses this week to celebrate our freedom. Let us also celebrate our freedom in Christ, the liberty that he's given us through his sacrifice, that we might live forever with you. We pray, Father, for those less fortunate than we. The We pray that the sick and the disabled will be healed, and especially those, Father, of this number who have been mentioned here. We pray for those in sorrow, that they might Find comfort in your word. We pray that the hungry will be fed, the homeless will be sheltered. And we pray, Father, for our first responders, our military, our law enforcement, that you will protect them as they protect us. And we pray, Father, for us as sinners, that you will forgive us of our sins as we repent of them, and that you will go with us throughout the furtherance of our lives and throughout the remainder of this service. And we pray that in the end we'll be found faithful to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Number
1: 567, there shall be showers of blessings. There shall be showers of blessing
3: This is the promise of love There shall be seasons refreshing This comes the sacred Amen. Hey.
1: 625 Zion calls
4: Scripture reading this morning will be Luke chapter 9 verses 23 through 25 Luke chapter 9 verses 23 through 25 I'll be reading from the ESV And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or prevents himself?
5: Good morning everyone. It's terrific to see you. And I'm I'm with Larry. It is it is wonderful to see everybody smiling, enjoying one another. It's just a it's just a great time to be a part of this congregation. And I hope hope you never take that for granted. So Martha Eaton fell in the parking lot last Sunday. And she bumped her head. She was evaluated. Didn't find anything too seriously wrong. So they sent her home. And she's just had this lingering pain over the last several days. And so she went back to the doctor. And, well, they decided, let's look somewhere else besides her head. And found out that she has four broken ribs. So Martha has gone from just one... Issue to the other, and we want to pray for her this morning. And then here's another thing, and I, I just want to go ahead and say this for future reference. Typically, when we gather, even if something's already on your heart heavily, you will sit and agonize the whole time through a sermon, and then maybe you will respond. And, of course, we pray with you and for you, and we rejoice with the angels in heaven over your response. But I just want to say that it is not necessary for you to struggle that way through a service. You come here, and you need for us to pray for you. We will stop whatever it is that we're doing in order to accomplish that. Well, the other day... I was just minding my own business, and I got this text from Bonnie, and Bonnie is here today sitting with her on her usual place with her dad and her sister, and I'm gonna share this with you. She says, I've struggled for a while now with being active and present in the church. I've let the world get in the way. I've been lukewarm in my spiritual journey. I've let hard feelings and mental health issues get in the way of my relationship with God. I wanna ask forgiveness for straying away, for anything that I might have done that might have discouraged or offended anyone. I wanna be back where I was spiritually before the pandemic and other factors affected me. Please pray that I can strengthen my relationship with God and become an encouragement to others. Bonnie, we love you. Don't we love Bonnie? And it takes courage to say what you said. Some people probably would just slip back in here and try to acclimate themselves to the fellowship, but that's on your heart and it doesn't have to be a burden like that. And you know, I've already prayed for you, but as a congregation, we're gonna pray and we're gonna say these exact things about the strengthening of your relationship with God. She also warned me that I didn't know the real Bonnie Some of you do know the real Bonnie. I told her I'd seen glimpses of her, but we're gonna be watching you now and see that excitement that's in you just explode among us. So thank you for your words. And as a congregation, we're gonna pray for you. Today, my sermon is a part of our series for the year about reaching forward. today. We're going to do very much what Bonnie has expressed here in this statement of hers. The greatest battle that we ever going to have is against ourself. You say, well, my battles with Satan. that, that Satan can't make you do anything. It's when you choose. So the battle we have really is right here. And that battle is constantly with us myself, me. We're going to pray about how to reach forward against self. But before we do that, we're going to pray for Martha. We're going to pray for Bonnie. We'll pray God's blessing on our study today. Please bow with me. Our Father in heaven, we come before you humbled in your presence. We came here ready to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we have participated in several avenues, expressions of that worship already. And now Father, we are eager to study from your word and for that word to be impactful on our lives. Lord, that is already evident to a great degree in Bonnie's life as she has come forward with this statement of repentance and the desire for forgiveness. Father, you know her heart and what motivated her to put these words together to express what was ailing her spiritually, and we are there with her. And maybe, maybe her words touch someone else here today. Her words are a result of what you've done on her heart, and, and maybe that's true of someone in this audience here today. So Father, I pray that uh, your word and these sentiments will find their right place and that we'll have courage like Bonnie's had to respond But Lord, specifically for Bonnie today, she asked that we pray that she can have strength in her relationship with you, that that relationship will be stronger than ever. And Father, we pray that that is exactly true. And I'm certain that she's already experiencing that, enjoying closeness with you again. And Lord, I just pray that it'll get better and better. I pray, Father, also with her that she'll become an encouragement to other people. And whatever whatever has gotten in the way as she's expressed it to prompt the things that have happened in her life, I pray, Father, that those are truly behind her and she reaches forward to a future that is bright and that we will see You living in her in a powerful and profound way. We pray, Father, your blessings on our sister Martha, and we pray that you will relieve her of no doubt excruciating pain from her injuries. We pray that she will recover quickly and that she will be well again. Father, I pray your blessings on us today as we are trying to reach forward against self that is oftentimes an anchor that holds us back from moving as we ought to. Lord, I just pray that you will help us to defeat our self-deception, our self-sufficiency, our self-will and our outright selfishness. Help us, Lord, to focus on you to give you all the glory and the honor for anything that we accomplish. Forgive us, Lord, for taking on too much credit and help us to be humble in our service to you. Help me, Lord, to put the words together that express these ideas in an understandable way, a meaningful way, and be with those who hear these words, that they will hear you speak directly to them. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone, that would be any of us, you, me, anybody, if anyone desires to come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? I wanna follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of his. Jesus is welcoming of that. But, you know, there are conditions. It's really not him creating a roadblock. It's it's us creating that roadblock. I am not truly a disciple of Jesus. I haven't truly yielded myself to Jesus if I'm still in the way. If self is the focus, then Jesus isn't. Jesus said in Mark 10, in verse 45, regarding himself, Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. In his service, it wasn't just lip service. It was outright sacrifice. He gave himself, you know the story, he died for us. He gave the ultimate sacrifice for each and every single one of us. So when we turn our hearts to him and we want to serve him, understand this is, it's not some light commitment. Jesus is expecting total devotion just as he gave total devotion in saving us. I know, I know that there is a healthy component to having an appreciation for yourself, self-love and all of that. But understand that the scriptures, while actually upholding the idea that you should have a sense of love for yourself, that that thing is not to go too far. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Verse 16, he says, to be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Sure, of course. Have A natural and appropriate appreciation for yourself and all that God has done. The package that you are, that God has put together. What a marvelous thing you are. However, do not become so invested in how good a creation you are or how great you have become that it is neglectful of what God has done in everybody else. These verses say we have to have a balance in that. Don't put yourself up too highly. You esteem others as well. And in fact, be of the same mind toward one another. Just be one and appreciate in love, not just yourself, don't just direct it at you. Understand how it is that God so marvelously took the wonderful you and multiplied it with so many others who are different from you. That's beautiful. I don't know, if you know me well, maybe you still see glimpses of it. And I wanna think that I've overcome it. But I'm just gonna tell you that there was a time in my life when I was so shy. I would have never done anything like this. And I had a hard time even having conversations with people. In fact, some years after I began preaching, the congregation in Moxville and North Main Street invited me to come and hold a gospel meeting. And one of the first things that was said and continued to be said was, Kenny Forrest, I can't believe you made a preacher. (laughs) And it was all based on the fact that I just had a hard time talking with people. And then, actually, I was driving down the road listening to some news program, which I could tell you what it was, but I don't remember. All that I remember was a statement that was made. They said, being shy is selfish. And I was like, wait, what? Said, yeah. Yeah. Being shy, being introverted is selfish. Emphasis on self. And the reason why is you're shy, and this was me, so you're shy, Kenny, because you want people to come to you and talk to you. You want to hide away over here and, you know, just kind of not make eye contact, hoping that others will come to you. That's self-centered, self-centric. I'm introverted. I you know, don't want to talk to anybody, but I want people to talk to me. And so I am focusing, really, my whole world, revolving around myself. You come to me. Selfish. I decided right then and there that that wasn't going to be me anymore. I haven't totally overcome that. I can be the world's worst. But I am conscious of the fact that I don't need to sit around and wait for somebody else as though I'm the king. And, you know, you make your appointment and you come speak to me. No, we ought to be people people. We ought to be reaching out to others. Our focus ought not be self, not self-centric, but it ought to be others-centric. We're reaching out to others. I'm giving to myself to others to make their life better. We should be givers and not takers. And honestly, even if we continue in that introverted state, if we constantly are wanting people to come to us, you know that the word of God so powerfully just destroys that kind of mindset and it's kind of a, a battle theme in the scriptures against tearing down those barriers that we sometimes erect. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and following. Though we walk the flesh, he says, we do not war... According to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ and bringing into a readiness to revenge all disobedience. When your obedience is fulfilled. Oh, I want to be a child of God. I, I want to serve God. Well, tear down those walls, open yourself up to the humanity that's around you that needs your influence, that needs you to express the gospel to them. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but rather thinking of yourself less. We need to have a natural positive appreciation for ourselves, but not to the extent that our life just simply revolves around our very being. So we've got to reach forward against self. Well, how am I going to do that? I've got to leave some things behind. For instance, I need to leave self-deception behind. The Bible has a lot to say about being deceived. And we are so easily deceived primarily because we're, we're thinking here so much without an appreciation for what's happening around us. We just become oblivious sometimes because we're so centered on our own needs and our own favor we don't think about what's happening out there. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Don't miss that little statement right there that we're trying to emphasize right now. Do not be deceived. Oh, I want to go to heaven. Of course you do. (laughs) I mean, really, who, who doesn't want to go to heaven? Who doesn't want to spend eternity with God? to be in a place that is just filled with love and expressions of love and unity and peace in the presence of God, who doesn't want that? But the problem is, he says, is there is quite a bit of deception out there because many people think that they can continue in their sin. And oh, by the way, here's a whole list of general categories of sins that might be applicable here. This isn't the exhaustive list, but just pretty well representative of the things that people struggle with and are deceived about. He says, don't don't be deceived by these sins. Because if you continue in these sins, you are not going to heaven. What it's going to take is a transformation. So some of you that were participating in these and were deceived for a time have overcome that deception. You've reached forward against yourself. You've said, I'm not doing that anymore. And then in your change, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. But just emphasis on the deception there. How many people today, very publicly so, hold on to any number of sins claiming admission to heaven? And that anybody who's in opposition to those sins doesn't know what they're talking about. Listen, I'm kind of a a uh, black and white, what's on the page kind of thing, and right here, this text, for instance, I see here pretty strict, <laughs> pretty black and white statements about sin. If you participate in these sins, you aren't going to heaven. Now, that isn't a matter of opinion, and uh, that isn't that isn't hate speech. That's just simply acknowledging what it is that God has said, about it and. To boot, don't be deceived by what you hear around you. Just because those who continue in their sin and are self gratifying, self deceived, self promoting, just because they hold on to that, he says, that doesn't make it right. Do not be deceived about these sins because you're not going to heaven continuing in them. Deception can be a whole society turn their heart against the Word of God simply because. Even a minority that's vocal cries out against what's true. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, do not be deceived. Evil companions corrupt good habits. You say, well, I've got these friends. I know they're not the best influence, but I'm going to win them over for the Lord. And I appreciate that. And if that is a possibility, great. But he says, don't be deceived. Don't think that you're just going to march in there because you've been converted or because the word of God meant something to you that somehow or other magically you'll go in there and win them over. Don't be deceived, evil company. If you're surrounding yourself with that, it is rather going to rub off on you. Perhaps then you'll fall into that category of being deceived about sin. You just hear it over and over and over again that it's okay and before you know it, those friends lead you astray. Don't be deceived about that, he says. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he also reap. For he who sows the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. That's kind of the summation of what we've just talked about. Don't be deceived about it. Only righteous things, righteous seed is going to produce righteousness. If you you take unrighteousness, if you justify it and plant that in your life, it's not going to somehow miraculously turn into a righteous good thing. It won't. It will bring forth evil fruit because it produces after its own kind. So what kind of things create deception in our life, Ken? Well, one thing is a matter of temptation itself. Uh, The way we deal with temptation, uh, sometimes we look at a thing, we think, I can handle that. You know, I can take so much of it. I'm strong enough to keep this thing reined in so it doesn't cause me too much trouble. I can keep it a secret or whatever. There we go, justify, justify, justify. I can handle it, I'm strong enough. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is coming to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with each temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And we hang our coat on that. Yay! The Lord will just come to my rescue. He'll provide the way of escape. Well, He has provided the way of escape prior to you even committing the sin. Don't do it! You know, you're tempted by it. You're struggling with it. Great. Don't do it. Don't go there. Flee the circumstance that you face. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common. Don't think that the circumstance you see right now is something unique, easily justified because, well, no one's ever really dealt with this before. Saint would love for us to think that we are uniquely special in our dealings with Him and our need for God, and would soft pedal everything that comes into our life. Do not be deceived. God provides a way of escape, but you have to choose to take that. Sometimes it's an assessment of ourselves. And we think maybe too highly of ourselves. (laughs) We think, I'm super strong, I got this. 1 Corinthians 10, the previous verse, verse 12, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You're strong, I know you are. But do not play with the deceitfulness of sin. Do not do it. That's why it is a temptation to lead you into sin. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You are not strong enough to juggle sin and overcome it. It will will win against you. Flee from it. Sometimes maybe we're too hard on ourselves. So here's the situation. It's Luke chapter 5. Jesus is teaching, the crowds are pressing on him. Peter and Andrew, James and John, they've already finished a night of fishing. They've started cleaning up the nets, but there's a boat handy. Jesus said, hey, Peter, I need this boat. So he jumps in the boat with Peter. They go out a little bit so he can teach. Jesus, I guess, is thinking, hey, I've got a great illustration I'm gonna use here in the midst of this sermon. Peter, take us out there to deep water. So go out into the deep water. Remember he is tired, he's been fishing, no success. Throw those nets over the side. He does, and it brings in such a great haul of fish that he has to call for help. So the brothers come and they're gathering up the fish, and they get so much that the boats are about to sink. Luke chapter 5, verse 8 Peter, in the midst of all of those smelly fish, in the presence of Jesus, says this Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I've often wondered, where did he expect Jesus to go? <laughs> you know, he's on the boat with him. Get away from me. I'm sinful. You know, I'm here in this midst of, of smelly fish. I've just, just seen a miracle happen. I, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I just fall down in your presence. Okay. Yeah, we're all struggling with that, right? We could all fall down in the midst of smelly fish. Sometimes we just become Undone. But Jesus was there for hope and celebration and renewal and forgiveness. So our sin can be forgiven. Sometimes we're too easy and that we, we think that we are immune to sin. Sometimes we think that we are not redeemable because of our sin. Where are we? I'll tell you where we are. We are easily deceived. That's where we are. James says, James 1, verse 16, do not be deceived. My beloved brethren, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the father of life with whom is no variation, a shadow of turning. Just remember, you're not going out there by yourself. That's why there's self-deception. I'm trying to handle it myself and I am so easily deceived. Lord, help me. We need to leave Self-deception behind. We also need to leave self-sufficiency behind. I've got this. I'm, I'm good. In fact, I'm so good that I have that elevated conception of myself. Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week give alms of all that I possess. And the tax collector staying afar off was not so much as lift up his eyes unto heaven, but beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For he who humbles himself will be exalted and he who exalts himself will be abased. Self-sufficient. Lord, look at me. I'm, you know, people look at me and they think I'm like the most righteous man right here in this place of worship. Look at this space that they've created so that they will not defile me. I am yours. Oh, and you should be so proud to have me. Sinner says, just please, Forgive me. Jesus said, that's the one right there. That's the one. He is not self-sufficient. He has not made himself man's gift to God. He is not a self-righteous hypocrite looking down his long nose at somebody else and condemning them. He says, I give up. I am condemned. I acknowledge my sin. Please just forgive me. I can't stand the burden of it. Can you imagine? Trick question. You know that, don't you? Sinner in need of forgiveness. I do not stand before God self justified. If it weren't for Jesus dying for me, what would I be? Just lost. In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 17, church in Laodicea, You can see them. They are the Pharisee. I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have need of nothing. Jesus says you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. As a consolation in verse 19, he says that those I love, I rebuke and chasten. I love you, but you need to rebuke. You need to be chastened. You need to know that this self-righteous attitude that you carry is wrong. See yourself for what you really are. Philippians 4.13. I say, what's your favorite verse of Scripture? If you're in a pinch, you can't think of anything else. You probably will think of that one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can Sometimes we just hit that first part off the of heart. I can do it. I can do it. I, 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 me, 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 me. Have you ever noticed how many sentences in a conversation with someone begins with I, I this, I that? Well, I can. But how? How? Well, through, through Christ, of course. A man's beaten up, he's fallen prey to all of these devices around him. He has been deceived. He comes to his senses, he returns to the Lord. He says, please forgive me and the Lord will forgive. And he says, from now on, the Lord is with me and I'm gonna, so that he was rock bottom and sure enough, the Lord is with him and blesses everything that he touches. And before long, everything that was a disaster in his life, now that he's serving the Lord, it's just starting to come together. And it's feeling good. And now he's got more in his life that's positive than has ever been. And he starts thinking after several instances in which he's gathering up these successes, he starts thinking about how good he is, how things are going my way, how I have changed. And he starts talking less and less about what Jesus has done for him. To the extent that he gets to the place where he is so much renewed in his life that he leaves Jesus out. You know it's like everything came back together except now that everything is back together. You know I don't need Jesus. We wouldn't say it that way but that's the evidence of it. I don't really need Jesus anymore. So I'm not attending church services anymore. I'm not giving. I'm not being hospitable. I'm not treating others. I'm just kind of looking for the windfall. What happened right there? My favorite verse: I can do all things through Christ, who's, strength- who's strengthening you. Because here's what will happen: eventually, destruction will come your way again, and you will fall. And now what? Well, hopefully, you'll come back to the Lord. But don't let this become cyclical, like it was in the life of Israel. There's an entire book written about that roller coaster the book of Judges. Up and down, up and down. I can do it. I need your help, Lord. I can do it. I need your help. I can do all things through Christ. You you can put a period right there right now. The only reason I can do it is because of Jesus. So, just put that self sustaining business behind you. Leave self-will behind you. Self-will. So there was Abraham. Wow, Abraham, a, a great study in success. A great man. God's blessing him. And now he's requiring something of him. Going to challenge his faith. Finds out incredible faith. I could just keep going like I'm going or I can answer the Lord's call. He has called me to go someplace. He's not even really naming it, but I'm going to trust him for it. He had to overcome the will that tends to say, well, I like it how it is, status quo, I'll stay right here. No, when God calls us to step out, what are we going to do? We need to step out. Not self-willed, Keep it simple, like it how it is. God's called me. Let's be like Abraham. Overcome that self-will. Moses, <laughs> Moses was ready to be the leader at 40 years of age. Boy, he messed that up. That's because he really didn't involve God in it. It's all about me. I'll show him I'm a leader. And he alienated everybody. Turns out for the next 40 years, he's just going to be a shepherd And now he's lost all of his sense of credibility. I'm nobody. I'm just a shepherd. Now God has him ready. Come on, you're going to lead my children out of bondage in Egypt. (laughs) What? No, got the wrong guy. Not me. He also had to overcome that sense of, I just want to stay here now. I made a mistake. I'm no good. I'll just take care of sheep. Ah, God's calling you. So overcome that sense of failure or I can't do it anymore, overcome that. Get some momentum and override your will for God's will. Same thing happened with Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, King Uzziah has died and all hope for Israel is gone. This was a good king and now what are we going to do? Not until he saw the Lord sitting on his throne... Did he override his own will to remain stagnant and do nothing to become a powerful instrument? He says, here am I, Lord, send me. I'll do it. And he did it. And then there's Jesus. What would it take for deity to leave the glory of heaven where you have angels continually glorifying you in your presence. Angels whose voice is so powerful that it shakes the very columns in heaven itself that creates smoke that encircles the throne. Can you imagine? Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, of all people, knows what it means to override your own will in order to support the will of the Father. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Right there in the heat of the moment, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Here's what Jesus says. Not my will, but your will be done. We say that all the time, right? Lord's will. Lord's will be done. Someone says, can, can you come over such and such? Can I make this appointment? I will typically say, yes, I will be able to do it, comma, Lord willing. We want everything to be according to the will of God, the will of God. We think, I guess, if I say it that way, then everything will be cool. Everything will be fine. And it's the Lord's will, and I'm, I'm subject to the Lord's will. I'm good with the Lord's will. Here was the Lord's will in Jesus' life. Jesus says, okay, boy, I'd like this cup to pass, but if not, your will, well, it was the Lord's will. What did that result in? It wasn't just an inconvenience. You know, maybe that's what we're hopeful for. A little inconvenience to serve the Lord. No, he went on to be betrayed. He went on to be blasphemed to his face. He was spit upon. He had this crown of thorns on his head. Oh, did I mention the scourgings? Did did I mention that he was beaten with the very rod that they mocked him with? And that he carried his cross, and when he couldn't bear it anymore, he had to have someone carry that for him, and then they nailed his cross writhing with pain body up there on the cross. And then in the agony of it all, just struggling for a breath, he uttered those powerful words from the cross, ultimately, (laughs) forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. I know that applies to those Romans right there at the foot of that cross, but boy, that seems to apply to me today. All wrapped up with self in denial about it, all sufficient. Yeah, Lord, let your will be done so long as it's my will. That is not what he said. And if he would send his own son to the cross, that was his will, then don't be surprised if when you utter those words with every intention of doing right, that somehow or other it truly is a struggle, because it, it very well may be. And it may be something that you don't recover from. We say, well, you know, right there in Philippians chapter verses 9 to 11, shows Jesus being glorified, being in heaven, and everybody bound to his name. Hey, peace, great, yeah, great outcome. And there'll be a great outcome for you too. But you may not see it in this life. Will you still say his will and not your will? And, and then we just need to leave outright selfishness behind. Just leave it behind. You know somebody who didn't leave it behind? That was Eve. Eve knew better. She knew the consequence of partaking of that fruit. Now she may not have known uh, logically, consciously, that my one choice here today is going to affect humanity From now on, maybe she didn't know that, but sometimes we don't know the true extent of the consequences of our sin. But she chose to do it anyway. Chose to do it. That is so selfish. Achan did that. Remember that story from Joshua chapter 7? They had a great conquest in chapter 6 where they took the city of Jericho. But Achan... He didn't foresee the consequences of his sin, which were, in effect, the halting of the progress of Israel. 36 men died in the assault of the next city, Ai, and all that blood is on Achan's hands. He probably did not foresee that his family would die the same death as him or his animals or everything that he possessed. He did not see the consequences of his sin, but he was selfish. I see that Babylonian garment that I want. I see those 200 shekels of silver that I want. I see that wedge of gold, 50 shekels. God's getting everything else. Why can't I have a little peace? Didn't see the consequences. But just because you don't see the consequences doesn't mean that those consequences won't come. And they are directly a result of our selfishness. I just want what I want. No, no. It doesn't work that way. What are some evidences? How would I know I'm being selfish? And I'm not talking generally now. Let's just talk to the church. How would I know that I'm being selfish as a member of the church here? Well, one thing would be my attendance. You say, who cares about the attendance? I don't care about how many people are here. That's selfish. <laughs> That's self-centered. I don't care. I don't see the problem. I I, 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 I. What is the problem? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's the good in it? You say, well, we come together to worship. Yes, of course. But he specifically pointed to the fact that we build each other up. I mean, isn't that the idea? If I'm selfish, I don't really care about you. If I'm not selfish, I'm going to be here to encourage you, to build you up. I should have it in my mind. I'm here for that reason. I'm not here to get something. I'm here to give a lot. Give myself to the Lord and give myself to my brothers and my sisters. We can see it in our giving. You know, we're going to skip the contribution, not going to give so much. I got a lot of bills, I got a lot of justifications. I, 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 I. But I'm supposed to give. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, as I have purposed in my heart, not grudgingly nor of necessity, God loves a cheerful giver. Why do you give? You give because you feel compelled to? Somebody might see you. Hey, I know what I'll do. Somebody might be looking for me to put a check in. I'll just take one of those visitor cards, fold it up, make it look like a check, toss it in there. I'll be good. Why do we act like that? Because it's about me. What do people think about me? I, 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 I. It's not, it's not to focus on me. It's to focus on others. Focus on the Lord. And speaking of the Lord, Jesus. Uh, One indicator of whether I'm serious about my Christianity or not is whether or not I speak a good word about Jesus. Am I sharing the most important thing in my life with other people? Or am I afraid of what they might think about me? They'll think I'm a Jesus fanatic. They'll think I'm one of those religious people. Peace. They might. But is it all about you? (laughs) Is it me, 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 I, I, I? It ought to be about them. They got a soul that's lost and you know it. They have a soul that's lost and you know it and yet won't share it. You know the remedy, but you won't share it. When COVID came out, I heard the craziest ideas about what might keep me from getting sick from total strangers. Most of that stuff didn't work, of course, but people were quick to share with what they thought would cure us. I know what will save your soul. Why wouldn't I share that with you? Why wouldn't I? Because I have an eye problem. Me, me, me. I'm afraid of what you might think about me. Got to deny yourself. Take up your cross every day. You got to love people and love them sincerely. Not just lip service with our actions. Love suffers long and its kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love never, ever fails. Love ought to be motivating us to get out of ourselves and into the life of somebody else. If I'm concerned about their welfare, that would be their physicality. I'm concerned about their welfare, If I'm concerned about their happiness, that would be their emotional state. If I'm concerned about their salvation, their spiritual state, if I'm really concerned about those things, then I'm growing as a Christian. I'm becoming mature. And I have gotten out of myself and into others. Say, this is hard. I don't know, Ken. Don't know if I... Yes, you can. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. He loved us enough to put us first. Are we loving others enough to put them first? Let's make it our aim to reach forward against ourselves. You struggling with that? Let's pray about it. You're a child of God and it's just all been about you and you've lost your way. Today is the day to get refocused and rededicated. Are you not a child of the Lord? What in the world? You've been coming here all this time. You know exactly what it is you need to do to be saved. And yet you resist. Make today the day that you obey the gospel. You come down those short steps to the front. Make your intentions known. And presently, you will be buried in Christ. Have your sins washed away. Rise up in newness of life. What a joy and celebration. If there's anybody who needs to respond, now is your opportunity. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing.
3: Oh, happy day
1: I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry.
3: From the waters lips me up
1: we we'll sing a song to get our minds <clears throat> prepared for the Lord's Supper, It'll be 382. You're singing from the song book. Why did my savior come to earth?
6: take of the Lord's Supper. If anyone's in need of the emblems, feel you raise your hand. They'll be provided to you at this time. founding father delegates of the Second Continental Congress declared that the 13 colonies were no longer subject and subordinate to the monarch of Britain, King George III, and were now united, were free, and were independent states. The Congress voted to approve independence by passing the Lee Resolution on July the second, and adopted the Declaration of Independence two days later, on the 4th of July. As we look at this event and as amazing and wonderful the Fourth of July Memorial is to us, the celebration of the Declaration of Freedom from monarchy and tyranny, a much more excellent memorial is going on now here and all over the world today. A greater declaration was made in Acts 2. The scripture tells us, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And they heard this and were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promises to you and to your children and all that are far off, as many as the Lord shall call. And they, glad, they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls we enjoy great freedoms as americans the greatest freedom we can have is from the bondage of sin and let us always remember the greatest sacrifice that has ever been is our lord and savior jesus christ let us give thanks for the bread dear heavenly father we thank you lord for this day to approach you we're ever so thankful to be in thy fold lord we come and as we partake of this bread, Lord, we pray that we'll partake of it in a manner that is pleasing unto Thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let us give thanks for the cup. Dear Heavenly Father, in a likewise manner we come to Thee approaching thy throne of grace with glad hearts, ever remembering the great sacrifice and things that done for us. Lord, we pray to thee as we look and examine ourselves and pray, Lord, that we are worthy as Americans and as Christians also. Lord, we pray that we'll always look to you and be grateful for what's been done for us. Pray, Lord, as we partake of it, we'll do it a matter pleasing to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Let's pray our most kind and gracious heavenly father we thank thee for this day and all the wonderful blessings that you blessed us with father we thank thee that we can that we live in a world a country that we can come and worship thee without any fear of any harm and father let us now give back a portion of our means as we've been prospered and all these things we ask in jesus name amen
4: Good morning. Isn't it great to be here today? Amen. I have several announcements. We had 304 uh, to gather in worship today. And visitors, if you are here, uh, if you're visiting with us today, please know you're an honored guest. And let us meet you. And we mean that sincerely. And if you have any questions um, regarding anything that you've seen or experienced today, please make that known and give us the opportunity to uh, uh, talk to you, discuss that with you, perhaps study the Bible further uh, with you. Uh, some quick announcements. If you have, uh, uh, well, first, uh, please note the prayer list. We have several who are uh, leaving for Horizons and Mid South today. Please remember them in your prayers as they travel, as they spend the week uh, learning and experiencing things that help them spiritually and uh, glorify and serve God. Uh, remember them and their families in your prayer and folks there's an entire list here some have been mentioned already today and I won't go through all of this list for times sake who need our prayers and uh, please uh, continue to remember all of these who are on our prayer list if you would like uh, your picture made for the new church directory please come down front as soon as services are over this morning and that will be taken care of. Uh, please do that if you have not done so. Landmark Nursing Home Devotional is at 4 o'clock today. The Wheeler Lake Boat Cruise for the Golden Circle will be on Friday, July 7th. The bus will leave the annex at 7.30 a.m. Please let Doug know if you have signed the list but cannot go so that somebody else uh, might be able to go. Also, uh, regarding the Golden Circle, the monthly lunch will be on Tuesday, July the 11th in the annex at 11 a.m ladies you are invited to a baby girl shower in honor of laura galloway next sunday july the ele- uh, 9th excuse me from 1:30 to 3 in the annex she is registered on amazon uh, also ladies remember to pay your deposit for the transform ladies retreat by july the 9th uh, the box in the foyer uh, place it in the box in the foyer or give it to wendy long Also in regard to our sick list, uh, Jeremy Owens, the son of Rita Pannell, is now in a room in, uh, in the hospital in Jackson, Mississippi. It is making progress. He will remain in Jackson in the Jackson Hospital until he is moved to a rehabilitation center. As soon as he regains his strength, he will begin chemo and radiation treatments. Rita was able to have a real conversation with Jeremy on Thursday for the first time in over a month. Rita expresses her thanks to all of you for the prayers, calls, and texts. Let's continue to remember Jeremy in our prayers as he continues to recover, as well as uh, praying for his mother, uh, Rita. There is a 70th 70th anniversary for James and Eloise Loveless. We were asked to make this announcement uh, from the Berea congregation. Did you hear that? A 70th anniversary for James and Eloise Lisa, do you think, no, never mind. Uh, Okay, never mind. On July the 15th at two o'clock at Berea, they would love to have you come and be a part of that. Uh, Over 300 people were served a wonderful meal at Friday's FHU associate salad luncheon. Thanks goes to all who had a part in making this a great success. There were approximately uh, 50 people who gave their time to prepare salads or work during the day on Friday. Thanks to all who bought tickets and enjoyed the great food and fellowship. This event was a wonderful demonstration of cooperation and Christian service. All monies raised will go to the university to help provide scholarships to students desiring a Christian education. Thanks again, uh, Janita Estes, and all of the Boonville FHU associates. Isn't it great to have uh, so many things happening that it takes a minute to talk about them? Um, Maywood uh, has already been uh, and is coming up again. We've got folks going to Horizons today. We've got folks going to Mid-South today. Um, I want to say, first of all, uh, I want to commend all of you who were part of week three for the good job that Tony Brown does and our own Drew Bruce. He is an asset. Uh, he is growing so much, and I appreciate him. And um, uh, Mr. Morgan, in fact, had asked uh, me to kind of uh, make sure camp did its thing as far as Maywood and and do several things, and Drew immediately said, don't worry about week three, I got that, Uh, and he's done that, and I appreciate uh, that. Session eight is coming up July the 23rd through the 29th, so listen to these announcements. Uh, If you plan to go, register now. If you haven't registered already, please do that, uh, so that we can get a good number of who we've coming. I've got several that I've got to take care of myself this week, but please do that, uh, and bring a friend. Register a friend. Get someone to go with you. Um, If there are uh, those who need financial help, and there always is, folks, uh, I've got a register three this week from our congregation connected to our congregation that some of you have already paid for, that they're going on scholarship based on you. If you want to help someone go to camp, uh, see me about that, and I, I promise you that money will be used to that regard and to God's glory. Also, many of you help us with uniced cakes and cookies, so be thinking about that. As we get a little closer, we'll talk about that. Very quickly, there's an important meeting next Sunday, so please put that on your calendar. If you are a camper registered to go uh, Air Week, July 23rd through 29th, or a parent of that camper, please plan to be in a, a as brief as I can make it, Mr. Morgan, uh, meeting, uh, say I said it that way, as brief as I can make it meeting, right after services in the Little Chapel. I want to commend our Bible class teachers for hard, for hard work. I appreciate you so very much. The summer is kind of difficult. Almost every Sunday I get a text uh, of, of something that's come up or someone has, has taken a child to camp and, and something's happened and not gotten back. And um, I have not had to ask for a substitute teacher one single time this summer or any time this year that I didn't get an immediate, uh, I'll take care of it from someone um and i appreciate that and all that you do we have god has blessed us through our bible classes since covid uh, so very much and i thank you for all your hard work don't forget promotion days coming up uh in august the children will move up a a uh a year or a class and we'll talk about that as we um get a little closer in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and we're going to have a closing prayer. But before we do that, um, I have to, to say, I meant to say something last week, but there was so much happening. In the last several years, for the not a single time has anyone responded that what I'm about to mention didn't happen. I'm about to show my inner uh, sci-fi geek, Jeremy, just a little bit. In fact, I've got on Star Trek socks today, but... Um, if you are a Star Trek fan, in their motion pictures, in their fifth motion picture, the illustrious Captain Kirk made the statement that he would die, and he always felt like when he died, he'd be alone. And at the end of that movie, he went through a very harrowing experience, but he didn't die. And he said, I thought this was going to be my time. And Mr. Spock said, no, you weren't going to die because you were never alone. And it dawned on me that... Whenever somebody responds in this congregation, they are never alone. Because somebody always comes to them and embraces them, and that is what families is about. Now let's stand. Let's pray together. Most gracious and holy heavenly Father, we are so mindful of your goodness and your grace your mercy and your majesty, your power and your presence. And we are so very thankful that we are gathered here as a family, as your children, to offer up our praise and our honor to your glory. And may our worship have been to your glory and may our days be in your service. Thank you for those who have responded. Thank you for blessing with us with so many working hearts and willing hands and faithful people and may we always Live our days to your praise and in your service. Be with our sick. Be with our hurting. May we always look to you. In Jesus we pray, amen.